0: Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell different. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. Welcome everybody to the Playmaker Podcast. It is almost Thanksgiving, and I'm excited. I'm going on a little vacation with the boys. We're going down south. We're going to hit the Red Rock. If you haven't been to Moab, Utah, you're missing out. It's going to be a blast. We often find Thanksgiving's a little quieter down there, so it'll be fun to do. But before we do that, wanted to give you some more thoughts on AI, all this talk coming out of Dreamforce about AI, 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 AI. AI. (laughs) Um, Wanted to give you my two cents on it, um, see if we couldn't help you effectively use AI in your business just a little bit better than you normally do. So let's jump into it today. It is just yours truly. We're going to be talking about do you really need artificial intelligence to sell? Well, yes, I think you do, but there's some important points to note before you jump into it. So number one, I have a confession to make. I am a millennial. Now, I'm proud of that, actually. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot of me out there. According to Nelson, millennials now make up one-fourth of the U.S. population with a total of 77 million. And we're starting to take over the workforce as well, 35% of the workforce by 2020. I thought it was a little more than that, to be honest. But guys, we're here to stay. And I'll be the first to admit, we bring some good qualities and some bad qualities, but one thing is for sure, and that millennials don't put up with any crap. Some people think that means we're lazy, um, but it's not true. We're just efficient. Efficiency guides our lives, and that's why millennial sales reps are starting a revolution. We're sick and tired of being efficient at home. While the workplace makes little to no progress, now I want to take you through um, the life of Jackson. Jackson is a millennial sales rep, um, and I'm going to show you. I want you to experience how poorly uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's. It's not the typical, but it's a good example of of a, of a sales rep and how work basically just kind of well let's just be honest it just sucks yes it does <laughs> so um let's start right at the top and give you kind of my two cents on how i think this plays itself out yeah yeah let's do this okay i'll try to make it quick i don't want to spend too much time so let's say jackson wakes up at 6am in his apartment uh, to get to exercise before. Now, he hates walking in the cold, but he also hates to waste energy. So Jackson's friend convinces him six months ago to buy this this program called Nest. Now, rather than try to figure out when to adjust the thermostat to ensure he doesn't freeze, Nest does it for him. Uh, first, Jackson has to manage the system, but it learns his preferences and it moves forward. Now, 6.30 a.m., Jackson tries to get a few miles of running in, before but he prefers to do it out outdoors so let's say about six thirty. jackson's out the door running with the program called v now this is an ai personal trainer that coaches jackson through headphones as he performs his morning run Whew, cool program a little bit like apple iWatch, watch but it's got a little more ai designed around the personal training element now it's seven fifteen, it's time for breakfast But Jax has never been a person for breakfast. He prefers to drink a healthy smoothie and then catch an early lunch. The problem is he doesn't have time to shop for all the ingredients and prepare them and blah, blah, blah. Thankfully, found a company called Green Blender. It ships perfectly portioned, locally sourced, uh, healthy ingredients. All he has to do is blend five new recipes a week, and he is ready to roll. Now it's 8 o'clock. Uh, Ish, He's uh, off to work. It's only a 15-minute commute. He lives in the city, um, so he doesn't have a car. He uses Uber, the ride-sharing service, which we all think familiar with. Uh, The best part about the drive is its ability to listen to music on Spotify. This music streaming service gives Jackson access to millions of songs, but the best part is Spotify has learned what music Jackson actually likes, which makes the 15-minute commute a great start to his day now at 8.30. He sits down and he starts his job, and boh, things change oddly as a sales rep. Jackson isn't supported by any automation or AI, but rather he's left his own gut and intuition. Each morning, Jackson starts his day by reviewing his well, target account list. That list was determined by simply picking which accounts he thought was best in his territory and then he's randomly assigned to that territory and that territory always changes every six months so jackson just does the best that he can at nine o'clock as jackson begins focusing on his subjectively chosen target accounts he notices there are nearly a hundred contacts associated with the account now he generally has luck with the cmo in his, in his target account list. But there's no CMO in this account, so he randomly chooses some other role in marketing, and he gets cracking and begins prospecting. Now, whew, stick with me. I'm almost done here. 11 o'clock, Jackson tries to prospect in the morning and keep his sales pipeline full. His colleagues tell him cold calling is dead, so Jackson tries not to make phone calls when he doesn't know who might answer on the other end. Because of this, Jackson spends roughly five minutes per contact trying to Google and Learn more about the person in the company, and he doesn't know if it's better to email or call or send social message. He just know he prefers emails. who wants to get random phone calls? God, he's a millennial, right? <laughs> so Jackson spends a lot of time writing emails, trying to make them personalized and relevant. He's heard there's some best practices about what time to send emails. He's not sure. Ugh. It's not that Jackson doesn't like making phone calls. It's just there's so much time wasted trying to find phone numbers. Oh, he just prefers to do emails. Whew. Thankfully, lunch comes around. He opens up his favorite app called Hala, it's a personalized restaurant and dining search engine. It finds Jackson's favorite food service because it matches his preference with entrees and dining experiences around him. Now, the great thing is. <coughs> It even recommends other restaurants that might be of interest. So he gets up and he gets out of there. Now, 1 o'clock rolls around. He's back to work. he got to check his Amazon order. He closed the browser. One of Amazon's recommendation catches Jackson. I hate those recommendations, you guys. I always fall for them. But um, Jackson loves what he sees with the recommendation engine, puts it in the list, buys it, moves on. 2 o'clock. Jackson has a one-on-one meeting with his manager. I always love those, so the two of them find an empty room. Jackson's manager pulls out the notepad he used to conduct one-on-ones with his team and begins a conversation about strengths and weaknesses in Jackson's performance. Now, his manager shows him some printed copies of sales number, and then Jackson's manager gives him a few pointers from what he's heard Jackson say on the phone while sitting a few rows away. Jackson feels like, hey, this session is pretty freaking subjective, but gotten used to it. now three o'clock jackson's asked by his manager to interview a couple of sales candidates and provide feedback jackson's asked if there's any material he should review and his manager hands him a resume and says hey just see if you like them and then come tell me if you think they're any good confused at how he's supposed to determine that jackson decides to proceed anyways that was four o'clock he's getting ready through the end of the day he finishes up a few scheduled calls and make sure he captured some of the day's activities in crm and boy CRM is probably the most confusing part of Jackson's job. It's like a big Excel spreadsheet. Jackson has never received any value from all the data he's entered in CRM like every sales rep in the entire world. But his manager insisted he use it so Jackson does the minimal possible. Puts it in, gets out the door. Around 6 o'clock, Jackson's buddy offers to take Jackson to dinner. Um, They agree to a restaurant using uh, Hella, as we talked about before, on the way home. As a major accident caused thirty-minute delay, but thankfully Google Maps use AI alerts them of the slowdown and then redirects them in the most optimal path. Now it's time to blow off some steam, so Jackson finally sits down at the TV, opens up Netflix, the popular streaming service for TV shows and movies, and he recommends uh, Netflix recommends let's say Stranger Things. I've been watching that with the misses a show um, about some scary kids and they explore stuff but he veges for a couple hours gets ready to go to bed at 11 he sits back though and he can't help but wonder why everything is so efficient in life except work why can't automation and at home be like it is at work do i really have to guess which accounts and contacts i should focus on why can't the system recommend them to me why do i have to guess what method people are most likely to respond to why can't the system Send an email when it's most likely to get opened or recommend which communication method to use. Why are one-on-one meetings with my manager so bloody subjective? Why can't I receive some real-time feedback about how I'm doing based on data? And Are we really hiring people based on subjectivity still? When will CRM empower me versus it? Me always empowering it. Confused that work is so far behind his personal life. And using automation and AI, Jackson resolves to think about it again tomorrow and hits the sack. Whoa, what do you think of that one, you guys? Uh, um, A little bit strong, I know, and probably a little bit like, why are you even doing this? But I wanted to illustrate this concept of what the hell's going on at work. Um, Why can't AI help me at work? like it does at home i mean this is part of the problem of millennial sales reps they they know the efficiency and so i want to talk about some of the ways i've found we've found to get people starting to adopt AI. because look if it's not adopted it doesn't matter everybody's saying i get it you've got ai and i'm going to talk about some of the fallacies there but if it's not adopted and it's not helping it doesn't matter now um, Jackson is not the only sales rep that's having a problem. If you haven't seen CSO Miller hyman um, study on quota attainment, it's been dropping the last five, five, six years. We're now at 53% quota attainment. And so I think there is a problem in sales. And I do think AI can be an answer. But here's quick three quick takeaways um, to kind of stew on as you think about incorporating AI into sales. Number one. Only show me what's important. Number two, my data is not a nut. Number three, what is in it for me? Okay, first and foremost, let's get a definition of AI, whatever you call it, machine learning, predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, cognitive computing. This phenomenon is dominating. But it's interesting to see all these terms being used pretty interchangeably because truthfully, there is a subtle difference between them. However, for simplicity's sake, I am going to use them synonymously in this podcast, even though they're not precisely synonymous. So it would be helpful to start with a basic definition. Our basic definition is AI is using a machine to understand past behavior in order to first predict, then potentially alter future behavior to produce more optimal outcomes. Now, that's a good start. What I like after that is I want to give just this quick example of Netflix to see if I can't help you visualize AI at home and see if we can then translate that to AI at work. Now, AI, um, Netflix, how many subscribers do you think Netflix has right now? About 100 million. As of April 2017, they were reporting, I think, just under 100 million. Um, How many titles, how many total titles do you think Netflix has? I Googled this. There was a little bit of a differentiation, but most of them were fairly similar. Um, And that comes in at 5,750. That seemed like a little light to me. I thought there would be more, to be honest. But we'll go with the five thousand five hundred and fifty. Um, of that five thousand seven hundred fifty, how many do they actually show to consumers? You know, when you log in and it has kind of recommended titles and um, new to Netflix, and then it's got you know a handful of categories. Um, what do you think? How many does it actually show to consumers? Well, this one was not Googleable. So I just went ahead and counted it on my Netflix, and I came up with 142, 142 titles that I can easily access through my feed. Now, don't get me wrong. You can go search and find some others, but the stuff that's presented to me is 142. What's 142? 5,750? 2.5. 2.5% of Netflix available titles are shown to customers. Guys, there is a lesson to be learned there. Let's apply it to sales. I'm going to give you a three- level process now as a typical company what do we do with any ai based recommendations let's go into the account and contact world um so what normal companies do is is they just say here's a territory go after whoever you want any contacts any accounts and it's just kind of smothering of whatever the heck you want to do some organizations have taken it to a level two a level two says here's a territory here's accounts here's a contacts here's we've actually scored everybody um meaning or we've identified all the red yellow and green or kind of the hot warm and cold and but still do whatever the heck you want but by the way we've we've looked at some of these you may want to look at them as well okay kind of weird but let's go with it level three says let's go netflix style on this let's not show all 5750 titles Let's just show what's relevant. Let's just show what matters. Let's just show the green and the yellow or the hot and the warm. Why even show the stuff that doesn't matter? Why even why even have that there to waste time on? If you study any um, decision-making books out there, too much is just not Good. So don't help me help you as a sales rep and just give me the stuff that I should go after. Give me some variety, but don't make me go after all 5,750. It's just too much. There's got to be a way you can narrow it down. And I know you can, and I know you can in sales. Now, I've seen companies do this effectively. They see, I call it the law of prioritization, a 400% improvement in close rates over base when they focus on the people who are most likely to engage and purchase from them. Now, that's number one. Only show me what's important. Number two, my data is not enough. Amazon. Um, Let's use a real-world example here. Do you remember these guys? I'm going to be spending a lot with them (laughs) over the next couple days. Happy Turkey Day coming up to everybody. Um, here's an interesting stat for you. 2006, 89 million customers. Now, I can't remember. I want to actually see if I can Google this even while I've got you here right now. Uh, 89 million customers in 2006. God, was that for um, the entire year? I think it was the entire year. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah. Let's, let's assume it is, but either way guys, that is a lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of customers. I don't have though that many, I don't know if you do, but at inside sales and in an enterprise B2B. We, we just don't kind of have, we just don't have that volume. But that's big data. You know, we're only closing, let's call it a couple hundred deals. I don't know if a couple hundred deals is big data to get a lot of insights off of. And that is part of the problem with B2B sales. And when it comes to AI, you're going to hear everybody say, oh, oh, AI, 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 all this stuff. But guys, we don't have enough data on our own. We got to do something else. Let's go in and see how Amazon solves what they do. So how does Amazon build its recommendation engine? Anybody remember this one? A real interesting article by MarTech Advisor on this. Um, They say there's four things that Amazon does to build their recommendation engine. Probably a couple more, but... Let's stick with the simplicity here. Number one, users purchase history. I love it. Makes perfect sense. Number two, items in their shopping cart. Okay. Makes sense. It's all about them. Items they've rated and liked. Okay. So they're getting kind of a feel as to who they are. The problem is if they can't compare that to anybody else, they're kind of up a creek. And so the cherry on top is what other customers have viewed and purchased. And this makes all the difference. Can you imagine if it's just, it's all based on stuff that I've purchased? Like, oh, it just seems odd. It seems very odd. But you add what other people like me, it really provides a roadmap for the future. Whew. Now, how does that apply to sales? Let's go through our levels one, two, And three, level one, most companies are in siloed data. So truthfully, data doesn't matter. They got email data there. They got activity data there. They got pipeline data there. They got CRM data there. Um, Everything's kind of in disparate systems. So they can't utilize the data at all for any sort of AI or big data recommendations. Now, level two says, hey, okay, let's do something different. Let's put in smart CRM. And you're going to hear about smart CRM from uh, a lot of these companies, and the guys are some great stuff with it. It is level two, it's not level three, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. I've got a lot of my own stuff in my CRM. I got my accounts now, I got my leads, I got my activities, and I might even pull from some, you know, public external databases. But I, I mean, I basically have just got my stuff, and it's powerful, but again, it's not that powerful because it can't go very deep on the recommendations because it's just you think amazon what's level two missing it's missing that cross-company data so we call it a neural sales data and it really has three differentiating characteristics um that truthfully not just nobody has so number one is is global data this is going to be real, real a big reach and scope it's a big breadth of data specific to sales behaviors and outcomes next is behavioral data it's not just observations it's about knowing which leads to success so that you can do more of that what leads to fail so you can do less of that now those are great some external things and some real behavioral pieces but then you add in that cross-company concept now these are insights derived from activities and success and failures behaviors of teams across companies and across industries Is there a law of diminishing returns? No, more of the right data taken from beyond your CRM helps. Now, Salesforce has tons of data. Lots of players have more data by cell count, but nobody can leverage cross-company data specific to sales and then tie in sales technology to operationalize some of those predictions. Now, some of you might wonder, what what is cross-company? What the hell? Is this guy even talking about? I think Amazon was a good example. Let me give you a very tactical one in sales. If a sales rep calls a phone number and that number, let's say, is disconnected, then another sales rep in another location from another company goes to call that number. The system says, hey, that number doesn't work. Here's another recommended number. It's using each other's data to help move sales forward. Whew. That's the key of cross-company data. Truthfully, this is where InsightSales.com just absolutely specializes. Um, 110 billion sales interactions across 30 million companies. Um, we've got cross-company data points reaching 7 trillion. I mean, uh, I get this world, you guys, because I play in it all the time, and I'm not trying to make a sales pitch. It's just Insight Sales has got about a decade – Ahead of everybody on AI in a sales database that's the largest in the world. And so I think we have a little bit more of a voice. And truthfully, um, the responsibility to speak out on what is AI, how people are doing it, what they actually can and can't do in sales, so I've seen people use this kind of cherry on top cross company data to really improve numbers. Twenty percent increase in contact rates. One client I worked with, very very fun. Now, last but not least, what is in it for me? <laughs> Back to Netflix. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Netflix did make a big announcement. Well, I thought it was kind of big April fifth two thousand and seventeen um, in the layout, the way that users use their system um, and they moved from basically the star rating system to the match rating system and boy, there was a really interesting article on um, why you know why they actually moved. I don't know if I want to pull it up again. I don't even know if I can pull it up again. But um, it basically said... No, that's not even the right article. It basically said "You know, the, the star system wasn't what I think we all thought it was. When I see stars, I basically think, oh, that's how many people have kind of liked it or not liked it. What Netflix wanted it to mean was how likely you would like it. The problem is no one understood that. The users didn't really use it. It wasn't very highly adopted then. They went then with this concept of match. It says, you know, it's a ninety-eight percent match to you, and people started to really jump on it. They had kind of a thumbs up and thumbs down, so that they could start to match more titles for you. And they've seen a huge boost, uh, an increase in engagement with something that actually works with the rep and makes sense to the rep. Now, why do I bring that up? And how does that actually apply to sales? Well. I'll tell you. Uh, Let's go into the basics of scoring. Uh, If you've ever seen a market... Man, I'm like on it. I'm rolling today. (laughs) If you've ever seen a marketing score, um, you'll know what I'm talking about when you under or don't understand something, um, you know, you see a D1 or an A1 or a, a C4 or B3. It sounds like freaking battleship here. Guys, A1 to a sales rep sounds like steak sauce. They have no clue what it means. I know you in marketing do, but the rest of us are like, I don't know, a B3? Like, is that good or is that not good? I mean, even as I hear myself say it, I'm just like, Oh, hell, it's terrible. Um, Level two is, and and again, every level is okay, you guys, but each one gets slightly better. That's when they just score the account using predictive data. So they'll say there's a 51 out of 100 or 74, 86. And guys, it's great. Um, Still a little hard for the rep. You know, 74, is that a C? Is that a 86? I think that might be a B plus if we're going off my elementary range. B plus, that's pretty good. 51, 51 was like... That's like just like an F. I, I better maybe I don't even know. Like, is that that's bad? But I don't know why it's bad. Like, what do these score mean? Do they likelihood to engage? Likelihood to close? What does even likelihood to close actually mean? Where we need to get? And I, I've not seen. We've we've played a little bit around with this, you guys, and I love the concept, but it's speaking the language of sales reps, which is money, 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 money. I call it the why do I give a crap score, um, Scheiße score. Spent a little time in Germany. Um, But it really just goes to what their language is. And I've played around with the idea of even being able to say, hey, if you dial, and it it shows this concept, if you dial your high-priority accounts, one more dial, it's worth the company $10. You dial one dial on one of these high-profile accounts that's worth $10. Now, you make 10% of that, so that's a dollar to you. you understand that? If you do that action, that's what it leads to. It's something for me. It's something I can recognize. Now, I've never seen it built into a system, but I love the idea of building it in and getting people talking about it. Because, again, this is the love language, and I've seen when people coach it, When they coach it in their business and show this type of love language or what it means to the rep, I've seen a 28% increase in one specific use case. So you guys, um, AI, it can be real, but AI does not work unless it's adopted. And there's a couple key factors you want to be thinking about. One, only show me what's important. Don't show me the 5,750 titles. Just show me the ones that are recommended. Two, it's your data and this one data is new currency and this one matters you know again you can look at your 10 deals that you close you can look at the millions that other people close some like you and figure out what's kind of optimal as you move forward together using cross-company or kind of crowdsourced data and then last but not least what is in it for me um What's in it for me? I mean, you got to make it worth my time, speak my language, and you got to actually make it something that as a rep, I can dive into and I can experience. Now, I've seen some great case studies, you guys, using AI. Uh, Let me just take you through one telecom company. Reps, 73% AI adoption. That's 73% of rep activities corresponded with AI recommendations. Now, if you follow the AI recommendations, you get a 1.8x increase in contact rates. So these phone calls that were recommended, best time to call or best phone number, you get better conversations. Okay, now I got better conversations. AI recommended opportunities enter the pipe at 2.5x of non-recommended opportunities. Are you focusing on those potential accounts to will move forward? Um, 2.8X close rate, 85% larger deals. When you start focusing on these recommended actions and these people who actually engage with you, the numbers do start to slowly add up. So again, random thoughts on AI um, if you haven't already checked it out, go to labs.insidesales.com. We've got a cool research that we did on artificial intelligence, asked a couple thousand people how AI is perceived both in and out of the workplace and some interesting results. So with that, whew, happy Turkey Day and remember, it's just one play away. Whatever you want it to be, it is just one play away.